When I was 12, my parents had two talks with me. One was the usual bird and the bees. The other was about what to do if a cop stopped me. Mama fussed and told Daddy I was too young for that. He argued that I wasn't too young to get arrested or shot. Star Star, you do whatever they tell you to do, he said. Keep your hands visible. Don't make any sudden moves. Only speak when they speak to you. Welcome to Book Club. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Looking forward to discussing The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas with you. I know. Me too. In case readers haven't finished the book, haven't started, are just looking into it, it's a modern novel, young adult, about a woman who, or not woman, so we don't want to a age young woman. people. Young woman. Teenage girl who is facing the reality after her friend was shot by a police officer in front of her in front of her during a traffic stop, which I'm sure is a reality we're all well aware happens on the usual, Mm -hmm. at least in my country. Your country doesn't allow. Do do your cops even have guns? We don't have guns, no, but that hasn't stopped them beating up black people, apparently, as it's surfaced online. Oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. Well. It's a big reality that we all have to face, and it's good to read narratives about it and, like, sit with being uncomfortable. Yeah. I just finished it about 20 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. I'm so annoyed at myself for waiting two years to read it. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, you've read it now, and now we get to have a really fun, well, not fun, but good and cool discussion about it. Yeah. Uncomfortable I mean, it discussions could... will ensue. Yeah. I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, how dare Angie Thomas write a beautiful novel that encapsulates real life and makes me feel uncomfortable? How dare she? (laughs) How dare she make me face the realities of my white ass? (laughs) I'm very glad that she dared. You know? I just love it. And I'm very excited to read the bonus content. I've not read that yet. Oh, very very cool. Yeah, so I've got... uh, before the prom, a deleted scene. Oh. I've got five things you didn't know about Star. Oh. And a short story called The Black Widows. Mm-hmm. Um, which seems to be about Khalil, which sounds beautiful. And then there's an excerpt from On the Come Up, which is the sequel. Yes. And also, before we get into The Hate You Give, did you hear that she's writing a prequel? Just announced oh. it. Writing a prequel about Big Maverick. That's fantastic. I know. I'm so I excited. loved that character. This book had a lot of really amazing characters. Very um realistic. Realistic and rich characters. Mm-hmm. Like it was very interesting. Yeah, it really reflected like the real life, like as far as like code switching and like the realities that you have to deal with when you're put into different kinds of environments and. Mm-hmm. All of the characters had their own completely separate lives, and we got to peek mm-hmm. into them, which really made them just fully rounded. I loved the character of Maya. Mm, yes. She, like, just loved that character. And She's just, she like, was... so bright and bubbly, and then yeah. you're like, oh shit, like. Yeah. 
and then like when she um helps star realize that actually Haley ain't shit and mm-hmm. they need to stick together and sort of confront Haley's racist ass mm-hmm. Haley was such a bitch she was and i know like Holy so many shit. Haley's from high school yeah i was very happy when she deleted her number i was like yes star get on it <laughs> what a gal well speaking of <laughs> Haley we have a question about her so this one comes from Cameron. Thank you, Cameron. Oh, it's question time. Thanks, Cameron. Yes, it's question. I mean, it's always question time, but. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't ask each other what we liked or what our favorite parts were. Oh, that's true. Let's do that first. <laughs> I was just all caught up. I was like, speaking of this character. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's my fault. I distracted you. So what, yeah, you've already read this book. How was it reading it a second time? I have to say, like, didn't help that I knew when it was coming. <laughs> like, when mm. the shooting was coming. And, like, because yeah. the first time I read it, it was just, like, raw emotions. And this time you get, like, you get that, like, anxious anticipation of when certain events are going to happen. Mm. And I really felt that, like, I kept being like, okay, okay, I just have to get past this point because then it's going to be a little less painful. Or, like, I want to get to this point because something really sweet happens there. And, like, that's a good place to end for the night. So, like, it really seems like a race against the book for, like, (laughs) where my stopping points would be. Yeah. How about you? How did you you feel reading it the first time? Um, I was an anxious wreck the entire time. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the bit that I struggled with was how awful it seemed. Mm -hmm. And... I want to. I wanted to keep saying how unrealistic it was, and then I had to remind myself, like, actually, just because it's unrealistic for you, Robbie, as a white boy, it's still yeah. incredibly real. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, and that's when I was like, "How dare Angie Thomas make me confront my white privilege like this? How dare she? <laughs> I'm here to read a book to escape. <laughs> like, I, I yeah." Did, I did she highlight how easy my life has been compared to others <laughs> no one's saying yeah, that yeah, no, easy sure. it's just <laughs> no like we all know like and it is a good way of pointing out like white privilege in a way that doesn't erase from the facts that you've struggled in your own life is mm-hmm. reading an account of someone else who you're like oh fuck like i might face this this and this but that's not doubled down on by also having at to face. At least the police aren't shooting me. Exactly. Like, at um, least I don't have to worry for my life when I'm pulled over or something. Yeah, exactly. And then what was your favorite part of the book? Oh, I think my favorite part was probably the pool party for seven, right up until Aisha yeah. comes up. <laughs> yeah, that's Like, I fair. just love how they're all getting on and the world's, like her worlds have collided one of so one of my favorite parts of the book i guess was her struggle with the two worlds yes with with it being concluded at the party where the two worlds collide and she's got her white friends and her black friends all together and they it's mm-hmm. not the end of the world surprise um yeah. but throughout the book i loved how she switched from um, Williamson star to Garden Heights star. I thought that was yeah. well written, well written. Yeah, because at no like point did you think, "Well, this isn't un- this isn't 
What was that, sorry? Oh, because we all know that code switching is like a thing. And it's mm-hmm. a really good representation of like how that's done and like the effects that mm-hmm. it has on like how you just interact with the world. Yeah, and I think it's such a perfect example of it. Like it's so, at no point do you think this is too much or this isn't real. Like that's the thing about the whole book is that it's so realistic. You kind of want it to be fake. Like you want to be like, this is just, this is just fiction. When you just want to kind of read it the way you read The Handmaid's Tale, right? Where you're like, yeah, this is fiction. This isn't, this isn't happening right now. Ah, but it is. This is a. This is a warning of what could be, or a warning of things that had happened, but, but no. Yeah. No, no. And what about you? What was your favorite bit? Um, oh man, I really, I just like really enjoy Star's interactions with Chris. Yeah, because she, she's like both determining and how she's going to interact with him and she's she's very timid with him in a lot of ways but she also just like he's he's very funny and goofy like when he was singing fresh prince for her Mm -hmm. to try and make her like forgive him yeah that was like that is just super cute and so dorky and also a little cringy that you call her the fresh princess like yeah but it's a sort of cringe that would totally happen like that would happen and yeah. all their friends would be like, Yeah. Yeah. It's like such it's a, a cute high school relationship for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Very innocent, aside from condom gate. <laughs> yeah, oh that was sad. Cause like yeah. fuck's sake, Chris. But um I love how um when she starts to question whether they should be together because he's white. Mm-hmm he's just so like oblivious to the fact that it's that it is a pro or that it's a issue that will have that will they'll have to deal with and, and her at that age so i think it's him. very cute yeah like at, at that age i think it's cute because like this isn't a thing that matters and obviously mm-hmm. it will eventually when you know when you get a wee bit older i think those are it's definitely something that you'll have to be prepared for but i think at 16 it was just nice to see a bit of naivety from from Chris yeah. just to be like what are you on about this is it doesn't matter to me and I was like oh that's so cute <laughs> like it, it needs to because it's gonna be an issue <laughs> like yeah for other people obviously and you need to yeah. you need to be aware of it to address it but it was exactly just, in the moment it was cute for him to be like I don't care like, yeah I don't I don't want a white girl I want star like <laughs> yeah Man. Right, you yeah, had no, all questions of the from Cameron. Are... I apologize. Oh, sorry, you, you. what did you want to say? Oh, it's just, like, fun that all of the characters, like, they really seem to be, like, they seem accurate representations of where they are in life. Like, if you read a lot, a lot of YA books have characters, like, in their teens, and they're... Yeah. They're too loquacious to be teenagers, mm-hmm. <laughs> like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all of these characters, yeah. like, no, they're pretty accurate representations of teenagers. Yeah. Like, the and fact I... that there's Tumblr, that's such a big <laughs> part of their life. Yeah. 
I think I think that's another thing that I really loved was the relationship between the kids who were so perfectly written as kids and the adults mm-hmm. who were so perfectly written as adults. Like Angie Thomas is yes. so gifted at writing. It's incredible. So Cameron's question. Apologies. Yes, let's get to it. Oh, no, it's all good. Cameron's question is about Star and Haley. Yes, he asks, <clears throat> Star says to Haley, you can say something racist and not be racist. What do you think this means? And do you agree or disagree? In the context of the novel, mm-hmm. I think I disagree with it. No, not I think I disagree with it. I disagree with it because Haley was being racist and then saying, yeah, I was just joking. I don't actually mean You're it. You're still my black and friend. You can't, you can't joke about your Asian friend eating a cat for Thanksgiving and then not and yeah. then convincing them that you're not racist because it was a joke. That was a racist joke. It's still racist. Yeah. You're a racist, Haley. You bitch. You deserve to get hit. <laughs> um, outside but, yeah, no, of I... the, oh sorry, yeah. Oh no, you go. Um, I was just gonna say the the phrase could outside of the context of the book. Um, I think it, it's a fine line because there's there's discourse and the ability to have discussions about racist phrases. So mm-hmm. saying the racist phrase in the right context of discussing how and why it's offensive wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. make you a racist. But obviously that's not yeah. the case in this book and Haley is a big fat racist and I hate her, even though she's 16. <laughs> Stay hate her. No, I I totally disagree with the statement because, like, I mean, outside of academic or, like, having those kinds of discussions where you're saying it to prove, like, or, like, to discuss the nature and the, like, background of the phrase, Mm -hmm. like, we're all a little bit racist and it's something we all have to unlearn and Mm -hmm. it's an active process. Like, no Mm -hmm. one's born perfect and no one... Like, especially in our society, like, we work in a risk, like, the system we live in is racist. Mm. And we have to actively, like, engage and involve and learn to become anti-racist. But, Mm. like, if you're active, like, if you're going ahead and saying that kind of shit as jokes... It's just blatant racism at that point. And you don't get to turn around and be like, I have friends of color. And like, it may be that you don't have the intentions of it being harmful or hurtful, but it's still racist despite your intentions. I think that was a good question. Thank you, Cameron. Yeah, thank you, Cameron. I have another question from Samantha. Oh, that actually has to do with our opening quote. (gasps) Oh, yay. Oh, I mean, not yay. So, it's a bad, it's a, it's a bad <laughs> thing, but it was a good quote. <laughs> Star references the ta- the two talks her parents had with her when she was young. One was about sex, and the second was about what precautions to take when encountering a police officer. Have you had similar conversations about what to do when stopped by the police? No. Yep, that's a pretty straight answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, luck, I like, was never given luckily. that talk by my family. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've definitely had that talk with friends. So, yeah, it's definitely, like, I've had that talk, but it wasn't, like, aimed at me, necessarily. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, it was never something that like my parents felt like they had to discuss growing up. Yeah, no, I've and honestly, never I've only been stopped by a police officer once, and that's because I didn't have my head beams on, and I should have, and I cried, and the guy was like, "I think stopping you was punishment enough," and I was like, "Thank you, sir." That's terrifying. Well, you know. So he was like, yeah. do you know what I have to do now? And I was like, I guess you have to give me a ticket. <laughs> and did he? No, he was like, I think you're punished enough. And I'm like, cool, thank you. <laughs> Just trying to get oh, to man. the chilies. Yeah. It's not my fault they light downtown so bright. It's true. My new car. The headlights come on automatically if it's dark enough. Oh, you busy gal. Uh, yeah. What can I say? Mm-hmm. What can I say? I mean, I'm not yeah. Williamson bougie. Can we discuss that school? Unreal. Like, no, let's not even discuss the school. Let's discuss Chrissy's house. Oh, my the God. The house that has a he second has a floor. house for the butler. Mm-hmm. Just And his ridiculous. dad has eight cars. The fuck? That's a lot. That's a lot of cars. That entire just, like, that was, I think, probably the most unrealistic thing to me, was just the fact that all of her friends had, like, Batman mansions. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, every single time she was describing what, like, Chris's house, I was just, like, imagining Iron Man's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. I was just like, all right, this is gross rich. Yeah. But also, Star, get that inheritance. <laughs> oh, yes. Lock him down. <laughs> Lock him down. Well, no, we don't know if he's just going to be a trust fund baby. He doesn't seem like he's going to be, but you never know with these boys. But do you know what? As long as he just... shares it with me, I'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> never know. You never know. He could squander it. You don't want to be attached to that kind of sinking ship. No, you don't, because then when the trust fund goes, it's your money he comes after. That is incredibly true. So, mm-hmm. a question from Jenna. And Jenna asks that there... Well, Jenna asks, there seems to be a big emphasis on how characters are named. What do you find are hidden meanings in the names of these characters. I mean, I don't think there's a whole ton of hidden meaning in the names. No, they, like, explicitly explain the names at his birthday. Yeah. Like, the dad, Big Mouth, explains Sakani means joy. Mm Mm-hmm. And Star was because... He was her light in the the darkness. Oh... And seven is a holy number. Yeah. I'd love to know... But I mean, there's so many other characters. What? Sorry, I was just going to say, I wonder um, why it's holy. I'm not sure. It might be... I mean, I'm sure it's probably outside of the Christian religion based off of her dad's belief. Yeah. I was a fan that the mom's name was Lisa because I like saying my (laughs) own name in print. (laughs) Completely, uh... Aside from the point. Angie Thomas definitely put that in there for you. You're welcome. 
Definitely. Just for me, we're personal friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do think it's interesting that um, Star uses the officer's batch number even after 115. she discovered oh. what his name was. Yeah. And what do you think about that? Um, I think that was to remove his sort of humanity, I guess, to the... Yeah, like a coping mechanism. And it's also to make sure she doesn't forget it because it... Yeah. Like in the beginning, like that was something she remembered. Her dad said that's an important detail to have. Yeah. But I also like the idea because there's a, a big thing of like black people aren't people. They're they're just thugs. They're criminals. Mm -hmm. And so I like the idea that police officers aren't real people. They're numbers. That's true. There's also the fact, I mean, lately, if you see this reflected in the most recent, you know, group of protests is you'll find police officers are hiding their badge numbers which is technically illegal mm -hmm. and like it removes that ability to, hold to them accountable, like even make them what to even to hold, hold them accountable if you can't identify them yeah to identify them mm -hmm. to hold them accountable and it also in a way taking away your badge number takes away any individuality you have as an officer because they all look the same they're all in these gigantic groups and these uniforms and the riot gear they don't look like people at some point yeah they're just a mob mm -hmm. and then there's the other thing that i've noticed is we have king kenya and khalil so there's a lot there's three k names mm -hmm. when you put them together it's KKK, which is obviously the hate organization targeting at oh. African people. But it's it's interesting because, like, they're very representative of this community that is facing violence within itself. Mm -hmm. And, like, you can't imagine, like, this wouldn't have started unless there was a... Like, there wouldn't be this terror within their own community if there was an outside reasons for them to have turned against each other you know yeah i don't know if you had any thoughts on that <laughs> um i did and then i was flipping through the book and then i saw the initials kkk and i was like what but it's just um auntie thomas being lovely mm. and writing about herself oh my god this is great what <gasps> so it's five things you didn't know about star and the fourth one Ooh. is Star's second cousin is Bram Greenfield from Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albert Alley. Becky is one of my best friends and we decided to connect our two worlds through those characters. It's awesome to have control over your own canon. Smiley face. That's cute. I'm going to have to read that book at some point. I know. Hmm. Um, another good thing is it says if Star was a Hogwarts student, she would probably be placed in Gryffindor, although if the Sorting Hat gave her a choice, she'd choose Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel after everything going on with the Harry Potter fandom that this that Harry Potter did have such a big influence on this novel? To get really metatextual. <laughs> did it? Yeah, like uh her Khalil, like Star Khalil and Natasha called themselves the Hood Trio. They talked about 
like their bond was forged by Harry Potter and oh of course yeah I forgot about that um I mean I I can't I can't say it fussed me I think it's one of those things that we're gonna have to accept because Harry Potter has influenced a generation like there's so many books and tv shows that are influenced by it I think it's just a shame that such a such an influential text was written by a cunt yeah yeah. um highly unfortunate I I have been reading a lot about how Harry Potter is actually quite problematic um and that it wasn't and obviously written in the 90s it was progressive but it wasn't nearly as progressive as it is made out to be nowadays like if you think about it you know these days it's actually really bad um and one thing that I found out was um, Dobby is named after a level in the caste system. Fantastic. For fuck's yeah. sake. See, I was always like... My my biggest, like, what the fuck always was Cho Chang's name. Yeah. We have the one Asian character. And you are just a step above of naming her Ching Chong, like... What the fuck, yeah. J.K. Rowling? And then there's how um, the Patel twins are just treated like absolute shit by Harry and Ron in the Goblet of Fire. Yeah. I also read that... Um, no, we're not going to get it. We can save that for next week's <laughs> We're Doing Fine episode because this is all about Angie Thomas and her beautiful novel. And yes. I will not spend this episode shitting on J.K. Rowling as much as I want to. I did want to also ask you about how you feel about how social media is used in the book. Yeah, no, because the book definitely has a lot, a lot of, it's very reflective of like right now. And part of that is like the use of Tumblr and Twitter and social media in general. But like, at least especially for Tumblr, I feel like it's going to make it a very dated piece in the near future. Yes, I did think that, like, honestly, part of me was like, who uses Tumblr anymore? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe the teens do, but I feel like they're on TikTok now. Oh, Jesus, let's not. Um, No, the bit that I really loved, I hate TikTok. The bit that I really loved was when they were trying to join the protests. And Mm -hmm. was it Devontae said, um, "I'll, I'll check Twitter and see where everyone's at. Yeah, and I was like, you know, it just is so accurate considering. Yeah, we tried to empty Twitter so that the information could be seen where it was needed, and then we accidentally filled it up with black squares. But, you know, we tried. Yeah. Um, well, actually, but, like, I didn't. I didn't do the black square. I just didn't use Twitter. Although I did tweet once at Haley Williams, and then my brother shouted at me because I didn't realize that it was a thing. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. Yeah. But uh. Yeah, no, it definitely, I mean, as far, like, I know I've been able to find things like that through, like, Instagram stories, too. Like, oh, where's everyone at? Check Instagram stories. But, yeah, for me, I, I think it was just very interesting to use Tumblr. I can't imagine going through my entire followers list. To try and find if one friend had unfollowed me. (laughs) 
Yeah. But teenagers have so much time on their hands. They really do. The fact that you have enough time to be on Tumblr. I wasted so many hours on that site. <laughs> it was good times. Good times. Super Hulak, what, what? <laughs> War flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I used to write Darren Shan, Darren Shan fan fiction, so I can't say anything. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only reason I quit Tumblr was because I lost the password and somehow got locked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what pushed you away. Do you have any questions for me? No. Ravi doesn't prepare questions. <laughs> I don't prepare questions. I'm I'm like it's the same as at uni. I'm not clever enough to think these things up, but what I enjoy and then you know my enjoyment from this is is hearing other people's questions and answers is I, I love hearing what other people think about it that's why I did that's an entire true. degree in English and you know when there is things I want to ask you about I'll ask you about it but most of the time it'll be like Aisha was a bitch right what do you think about her and then as soon as I say it, I'll be like oh but she was struggling and she got beaten up and oh it's a real tough oh, one. Oh man when it comes to parents I'm just like oh a bleeding heart but then it's Haley, yeah. and I'm like fuck you racist bitch <laughs> Teenage, teenagers get what they deserve. Um, <laughs> they do. They do. That, is, that is an interesting point because uh, there are a lot of very complicated relationships within the adults of this book. Mm-hmm. And like specifically with Aisha and her relationship between King and Seven and Maverick. Like, how did you feel about Aisha and her characterization? Um... I don't know. I didn't really notice Aisha until like the end of the book. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was my reading of it or if that was like the point of it that she was supposed to be the sort of um absent mother and that's why Seven was attracted to Lisa as a mother figure. Um mm-hmm. but I just I I I was with Seven most of the time. I hated that she would blame him for pushing yeah. King away when King beat up Aisha and he stopped her like it's one of those things that I absolutely hate like I I can totally understand it but I cannot agree with it when 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 mums yeah sort of put the abusive father figure over the children like I just think it's and obviously I'll never I'll hopefully never be in that position and I know it would be a really tough one, but when you're reading about how poor we Seven's dealing with it, I was like, nah, Aisha, get your shit together. Yeah. Sort your shit out. I th- like when he was yelling at her at his birthday, my mm-hmm. heart was breaking. Yeah. I do think it's really interesting because like it is a it is a coping mechanism for abuse victims to, you know, try and find excuses for their abuser. Mm-hmm. I feel like Aisha yeah. is a very, she's a, she's a passive character for a large portion of the novel, but like all of her like actions, like all of her like, her all of her protection, her protective actions as a mother, are done very like under the table. It's very secretive. It's like you. Yeah. It, it's obvious that she loves her kids, but she also doesn't feel like she's in a strong enough position to actually protect them 
when yeah. she should be. Yeah, there's and that that's bit like where... displayed when she gets them away from King. Yeah, like she even says she was like, "Oh, anyone that you know, he he was beaten up because he because he did this, and anyone that helps him will get beaten up too." And then she mm-hmm. instantly switched and was like, get him out of here bleeding on my carpet. Get him out of here. Like, At no point does she say, quickly, get him to safety. It's all, the act mm-hmm. is still totally there. It is still just, get him out of my sight. I don't want to see him. And then she goes off and distracts mm-hmm. King when he's about to get up. Like, So, you know, she she is clearly doing the, the right thing and consciously doing the right thing. But I just think, poor Seven. Yeah. I hope he gets to a good college. Yeah, like, it's not a good decision. Like, it's not a good position for anyone in that situation. Like, whether it's Aisha or it's the kids trying to get out of the house, it's just... It's just all all bad. And then what do you think of the relationship between King and Maverick? Well, I... Do you know, I'm so excited to read the prequel because that's all about yeah. him trying to get out of the gang when Lisa is mm-hmm. pregnant. And I am so excited. Is it Lisa that's pregnant? In the... I think it's probably it's Lisa. And this is the only Lisa on this show that you will hear about getting pregnant. Certainly will not <laughs> be me. <laughs> just, just putting that out into the universe. So another question from Jenna. How did you feel about when the detectives shift their, shifted their focus onto Khalil's past? Did it feel like bait for Star? And how does Star work to counteract this media portrayal? Um, I don't think it was bait so much as it was just super realistic and that the first thing they try and do is defend themselves by justifying it. And, yeah. I, and that was one of the reasons that I hated Haley was being like, oh my god, like, you know, like how are you just like, done... mm-hmm. like yeah, why, she, like, how are you just taking it at face value? Yeah, like she totally believes. Well, they were right to kill him. Then he might have been a drug dealer. Like, drug dealers don't deserve to die. Like, what are you on no. about, Haley? You stupid bitch. Fuck off. And it's definitely like a smear campaign. And I do yeah. see how that can be seen as bait because, like, that was her friend. You're saying, oh, well, it's fine because he was a drug dealer that he was mm. shot because I was scared because he could have been a drug dealer. I'm like, no. So could I. So could I. Yeah, and no like, one's anybody could. Me. Makes me so angry. Poor Khalil. And, like, like that's that was just so something funny. we see over and over, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, um, that was one of the hardest bits, bits of the book, was getting to know Khalil's character while knowing that he was dead. Was You know, yeah. like, through flashbacks from Star, was it was like you were getting to know this character and then having to remind yourself, oh wait, he was murdered. Yeah. And I think one of the most heartbreaking things about starring Khalil's, the way that everything ended for him, is that, like, she had just rediscovered her friends. It was mentioned that they hadn't talked for months before, and she has obvious regrets about that. hmm Yeah. And, like, that can definitely be one of the hardest things to deal with when you lose someone is 
all of the things that you didn't get to do with them and you're like I should have made time yeah and I think that was the the powerful bit at the funeral when she was sat at the front with friends and family and she was like Mm -hmm. I don't deserve to be here and the mum was like he always talked about you and it's like oh god yeah I know like I I was like if only Khalil was alive it could have been just a love triangle story literally Give me that classic YA trope. (laughs) (laughs) And it almost felt like there was a little bit of that. But it was just so tragic because obviously Khalil had passed. Mm -hmm. And she's fighting with this whole like wanting, like struggling with all of the what could have been. Yeah. Ugh. This book gave me so many feels. Too many feels. Specifically the feeling that Haley's a bitch. But <laughs> Yeah, let's see. But I do understand, like I don't understand Haley, but I do understand like there had to be someone like her. You know? She yeah. is the embodiment of the performative ally. But I think that um yeah, and I think that was a really important choice to make. Like at no point did Starface full-blown racism yeah like the, the only sort of example that the only upfront example of racism that star experiences is Haley, and her i'm just joking or mm-hmm. you'd run faster for fried chicken like yeah and it's like what the fuck yeah it's all the covert it's all the microaggressions yeah, yeah. Um, well, in a plot twist situation, Robbie's reading some questions now because we do actually, in fact, have access to the same email system and Google Drive. It's just that Lisa's Wild. actually more on top of it for answering it. Um, <laughs> but we do have one last question from Cameron, and he asks um, what we thought of the, the so-called protest that the Williamson students have. And um, mm-hmm. he was wondering whether we considered it as a microaggression. Um, in and of itself so and I think that's a really good question because I completely did and I was sort of taken aback but then totally understanding of Star's reaction to it I don't know what yeah. you thought about it Lisa it was such a bullshit move and it was such a high school move to just be like mm-hmm. oh yeah we'll get a free period or two or a half day or something because we're showing up and we're doing our civil duty. Yeah. Yeah. And like, while that may not have been the intention of every kid who participated in it, it was just kind of like the fact that Star was like, she knew it was just to an act to get some time off of school. Exactly, yeah. In fact, they they even mentioned that before it starts. They were like, we're going to do a protest, we'll get a free day off. And Star was like, yo, go fuck yourself. And so Chris follows her around school and goes to all his lessons because he doesn't even ask Mm -hmm. what's up. He just knows that if she's not going, he's not going. Which is like... um, Yeah, no, it it totally is just... It's like, I'm not... I guess it's it's a mic I would consider a microaggression but also largely it's just completely ignorant like they yeah I don't even think these kids probably know why there's a um most of them wouldn't know why there's a protest going on they just saw that 
Yeah. The protests were going on last night, so let's do that and we don't have to go to school. Like, yeah. It's ridiculous. But the it totally is, is, you're right, it's so high school. Hmm? It's just saying you're totally right and that it's so high school behaviour. Like, yeah. Let's all do this. Yeah. And it's also like the hard part is like, it's a mob mentality. And it's a, yeah. it's the, the whole mentality of like, they can't stop all of us, which is a very privileged thought in and of itself. Yeah. But it's also like, if you were in the position as a random student in that school, do you think you'd participate in that? Because I'm not sure myself. Probably. Probably. And me and my and friends would like have convinced... that's like a hard thing that you have to confront, right? Like... You don't want to but, be yeah, that person, and, but yeah, but I just have so, so such self awareness that me and my friends would have thought like we would never have known that it was started because people wanted a day off. We would have genuinely yeah. thought it was a protest for something, and we would have looked yeah. it up and been like, "Oh, I guess you know we should do this," because you know it's no it's no secret that I didn't know any black people in school. Mm-hmm. You know, um. So I, so I wouldn't yeah, have had star there to, to be like one of the widest areas of the world. It's true. Yes. Um, like you know, I wouldn't have had star there like Chris did to be like this is a bullshit protest. Yeah, I guess like Chris and Haley really are kind of like foils to one another, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're Haley used claims... very well as. Yeah, they're both yeah. very close to star. But they're also just like one actually is listening and adjusting their position according to like the new information they're being shown and the other one is doubling down. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, do we have any more things we want to talk about for the hate you give? There is a lot more to talk about. There is. I think it was a fantastic novel. I loved it, and I'm very excited to read the sequel and then the prequel. Yes. I don't know. Do we even want to give a star rating to it? I mean, if we did, it would be five. <laughs> like. Yep. Five stars with two R's. Yeah. <laughs> that has to, We have to tweet that later. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of the main character. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's really great to make spelling puns <laughs> in a audio format. We stand. <laughs> um. So yes, we won't dignify, um, or rather, we won't insult the hate you give with a star rating because it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and regardless of what we think of it, you should read it. Yes, it's important. And but it it's also a very good book. It is, yes. Yeah. So like, regardless of what we think, which is that it's fantastic, mm-hmm. you should read it. It will make you cry, probably, if you're a crying person. Which we are. <laughs> uh, Lisa, guess what I've got in my hands? What? Next <gasps> month's book club. Next month's book club? Well, this month's book club. This month's book club, yes. We've got yes. two this month. Oh, I've got to read this real quick. 
So this month's book club, our selection for July is July. Felix Ever After. Felix Ever After by Kaysen Callender. Yes, I'm so excited for it. Yeah, me too. And the reason I have it in my hand is because I was looking at the praise for Felix Ever After on the back. And we've read most of these people. Oh, amazing. Um, So they've got Justin A. Reynolds, author of Mm -hmm. Opposite of Always. We read a Justin A. Reynolds book, didn't we? No, I don't think we have. Was that Not yet, at least. Maybe just you. I'm sure we read that one. In book club? Not Opposite of Always, but I'm sure we read a Justin A. Reynolds one. I'll Google it later. Maybe we didn't. (laughs) In which case, I will add him. To the list. To the, yeah. Um, Casey McQuiston. Yes. Red, white, and royal blue. Um, and um, not in book club, but Becky Albertalli is on here as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, author of Simon versus Homo Sapien Agendas, and also co-author of was uh, what was it? What if? What if it's us? What? What? Hmm. it's with adam silvera and it's beautiful and i cried a lot okay fantastic read it yeah so anyway felix ever after super excited to read this one yes it's a little bit more uplifting at least from what i've heard so oh it better be because i can't take any more (laughs) i am really excited to read this Yes. So join yeah. us next month. Or not the next. Join us for Join book us club. on the 1st of August. Yes. <laughs> for the next episode of Book Club. And until then, keep, keep reading, reading fine. fine. We're doing fine. I'm doing fine. Protector man, volcano man.